Good morning, everyone. Welcome to High Point Online. My name is Gerald. Um, I'm one of the leaders here at High Point. And uh, first of all, I want to just start out by thanking Pastor Andy for entrusting me and giving me this opportunity to share with you. Um, we're in a series called A Firm Foundation. And I want to start out with just telling you a story. There is a go back, back into time with me, right? In 1989, all right, some of you guys might not have been around, but 1989, there was a basketball game that literally changed my perspective on life and how I view things. That's right, a basketball game. It was Princeton University versus Georgetown. Princeton University somehow got the 16, I mean, got into the Sweet 16, and Georgetown was the number one ranked team. During this game, Princeton University, now I'm going to get a little talk about gender and, and race and stuff that makes it sound kind of crazy, right? But Princeton University was a whole bunch of just unathletic, down-to-earth white guys playing basketball. And Georgetown had five future NBA players, including Alonzo Mourning and Dikembe Mutombo, all right? And Princeton University was putting it to Georgetown. I mean, it was just like bang, bang, backdoor cut, hit a three, hit a shot. And all the athleticism in the world could not stop Princeton from doing their job until the very last shot when they got lucky and got a block, which would have stopped that made Georgetown win that game. And I'm sitting here and I'm looking at it. I was like, why are these guys winning? And all they did, there wasn't a whole bunch of fancy dribbling, no between the, no between the legs. It was just bounce pass, bounce pass, cut to the ball, bounce pass, rebound, box out. They were doing just fundamentals of basketball. And it didn't have to have, they didn't have to have athleticism to play the way they were playing, but they had a strong foundation of what the fundamentals of basketball is. And from that moment, I mean, I was, I think I was in eighth grade or ninth grade, something like that. And at that moment, I realized I wasn't the most athletic kid. You know, I didn't have all these skill sets and stuff like that. But I realized that no matter what I do, if I learn the basic foundations of what each sport is, each game is, if I could figure that out, I could be good, good enough, or even better than the rest without natural ability. And that is what we're talking about today. Maybe you guys have that situation going on. It seems like nowadays we're in a time where everybody wants to hit a home run and they haven't learned how to hold the bat yet, all right, or even swing, right? We just want to jump in. But the foundation of what you have is what we're here to do. So today, I'm going to talk about, in this series of A Firm Foundation, I'm going to talk about Jesus Christ as our Redeemer, all right? So, Father God, we thank you for this opportunity for allowing me to share this morning. Lord God, I pray right now that you would just let your words come through me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. So let's take a look at what it means as Jesus Christ being our Redeemer. We first must understand what Redeemer means, right? It says that he took away our sins and made us new. All right, Jesus Christ went to the cross, took away our sins, and made us new. Pastor Amy did an outstanding job of showing all that last week. If you're looking for illustrations this week, it's not going to happen, okay? But he took away our sins and made us new. Here's the thing. Last time I checked, if you take something without paying for it, that's stealing. Last time I checked, anything new, or basically anything, costs something. 
even if it's a gift, it costs somebody something. Even if your kids draw something on a paper and give you a card, it still costs something. It costs time, it costs for the crowns, it, co it costs for the materials, it costs for whatever. Everything costs something. So we have to realize that we didn't just get made new or been set free for just nothing. Our freedom did not come free. And it's very important that we remember that. Our freedom from our sins, our freedom from, from the things that we deserve did not come free. They came at a very high cost, and that cost was Jesus' life. So when we talk about to be redeemed, we want to look at some of the definitions of redeemed. I thought it was really interesting. So one of the definitions of redeemed is uh, to purchase back. And that one struck me for a minute because I always think about redeeming a coupon. And I'm thinking like I'm giving them something and they give me something. But redeemed actually means you were once the, in the possession of somebody, somehow got shifted into someone else's possession, and then they had to pay a price to get you back. Now, in order for that to happen, there has to be a couple of things that they, that person has to see. If they want something back that they once lost, and we'll get into the lost part in a minute, but if they want something back that they must lost, you have to realize that the thing that they lost, one, they have to want it. Two, they have to see that they find value in it, right? And then three, they have an intended purpose for what they want back. So I want to make sure that we understand that you, me, everyone is very valuable to Jesus. He wants us back, all right? He has an intended purpose for us. He sees value in us. We are worth something to Jesus. So I want to make sure that we know that, right? So let's talk about what the word value means real quick. It says, uh, consider something to be important or to have esteem or high opinion of, beneficial to. Christ finds us important and beneficial, and he has a high opinion of me and of you. So I think that we need to understand that this is why Jesus wanted us back, or God wanted us back. He wanted to redeem us back into himself, right? Now, the question is, though, how did we lose him? How did, how did he lose us, or how did we lose him in the first place? Let me make sure we know this. We lost him, okay? Now, so we talked about all the way back in the Garden of Eden, the very first time we went back to Adam and Eve, good old Adam and Eve. We would be up there in that garden party, like, hey, party over here. But no, no, thanks to Adam and Eve, they bit the fruit. By biting that fruit, we got lost. We got out of that spiritual realm, being one with God, into the natural realm of sin. I mean, what was Jesus' first, or God's first words? He said, Adam, where are you? He couldn't find us. We were no longer in that spiritual realm with him, okay? So we got lost, and unfortunately, sin found us. And then when sin found us, it enslaved us and it put us into bondage. It's a shame that sounds a lot like some things that are going on in this world right now when people run away and people get picked up and they put them in bondage and use them for own goods, and it's just bad, right? But it's been going on since the beginning of time. We disobeyed God, straight away got lost, sin found us, and put us in bondage. So I want to look at a, 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 a verse. If we go to Titus, second chapter, verse 14. All right, it says... He who willingly gave himself to be crucified, obviously we're talking about Jesus, all right, on our behalf to redeem us and purchase us from, purchase our freedom from all wickedness and to purify him for himself, a chosen very special people to be his own possession. 
First of all, that goes back to the value. We are a chosen, very special people to be used for a purpose of what Jesus wanted. It says, who are enthusiastic for doing good. Jesus chose us. He saved us because we are special. And because of that, we're enthusiastic to serve him. We're enthusiastic to be good. So God saw that value. Jesus saw that value in us, right? But as we were liberated from bondage, it says that we were brought into slavery from sin. I want to just go to the first part of Romans 16 for a minute because it says, don't you realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? That's where we lost it. Adam and Eve chose to disobey, went upon themselves to do and eat this fruit, and now we became sin, sin servants, slave to sin. He goes, you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. I think that's great right there, right? So right now, we already learned from the second week, right, where Pastor Andy said sin is a choice. Here it is again. We still have that choice. We could choose to be a slave to sin. We could choose to continue to live in that direction. We can choose those things. Or we can choose to accept the price that Jesus paid to redeem us and walk in that righteous living. And back to that other verse, to be an encouraging work person for good. We get to choose that, right? So if we keep going in that verse, this is, oh man, verse six, uh, chapter six, it continues on and says, um, thank God you were, you were slaves to sin, but now you will wholeheartedly obey his teachings we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. Oh man. We didn't even have a need to do right. We didn't have to do right when we live in a sin. Matter of fact, if you keep doing certain things that, that how come doing things so wrong feels so good? Why would you even want to do right? All right? There was an old time song, but I'm going to show my age, but Mr. Do Right. And then there was a cartoon character called Dudley Do Right in Bullwinkle episodes. But they, they had to work hard to do right. right? And then it says, um, what was the result when we chose no obligation to do right? You are now ashamed of things you do. All right, things that end up in eternal doom. I can think back, and I know I've been forgiven from those things, but there's things that I know that I did that I am truly ashamed of, right? I'm repentant. I know I've been forgiven. I know I'm in a new creation again because of Christ's blood shed for me, right? But it doesn't take away the fact that I might have hurt somebody's feelings. I might have done something different. I am ashamed, but I think I'm, at the same time, I'm thankful, right? Because one, he set me on new firm footing, a firm foundation of Christ. And two, those things helped me learn and grow on what not to do. And, and, I, and I have that testimony of, hey, don't do this. Same thing with the Apostle Paul. The things that he did, that thorn in his side, he has a testimony of things not to do. All right? But now it says, uh, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become God's slaves. But now you are free, sorry, you, now you are free from the power of sin and have become God's slaves. Now you do things that lead to holiness and eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I think we've all heard that verse, especially the last part of the wages of sin and death. But there's something in there that kind of baffled me. 
God came to set us free, or Jesus came to set us free from slavery, but in purchasing something, you now own it. So if he owns us, we are not slaves to sin, but we're slaves to God. The thing is, I don't want to be a slave to no one. This is a black man telling you, I don't like the idea of being possessed by actually absolutely anyone. Now, listen, we know God is a good God, and we can say, oh, he's a good master. We know we can say, oh, what a heavenly father he is. And we say all those things, but we have to get this, right? Are we a slave to God? Let me give an example. Um, this might make some of you guys uncomfortable. I'm going to just tell you straightforward, but I think this is a great example, okay? Uh, back in the day, and sometimes even presently, um, slave owners, former slave owners used to always say, hey, uh, they would justify why they owned slaves. Hey, I treated my slaves very well. They were allowed in my house. They had full access of the house. They ate dinner with us. You know, hey, listen, we even gave them our name. Right? They'll say things on why their slaves weren't treated as slaves and they were part of the family. Okay? And I always take that question and I listen to it and I think I like to flip it and say, okay, well, if your slaves were part of your family, would you, instead of saying you treat your slaves like family, can you say that you treat your family the same way as you treat your slaves? Can you flip that around? Right? Then it would kind of cause a pause. Where are the distinct differences of how I treat my family, how I treat my slaves? The only person I could say that could say that, though, is God. So though we are slaves, let me, let me read it. It says, he who the Son sets free, John 8, 34, it says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. A slave doesn't abide in the house forever, but a son does so I'm going to skip down again at Galatians. I have some scriptures for you, and I'm going to give you some scriptures again, let you go through them again, because so, I want you to study this and read this on your own. I don't want you to ever take anyone's word for it. Mine, Pastor Andy's, you have to study this on your own so you can get the full picture of this, right? But Galatians 4, 3 through 7. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. That means we were in sin, under, out of the realm of God. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Let's pause for a minute. God had a plan from the moment that Adam and Eve ate that fruit. Now, it had to come to pass, and I could get into that later. That's another thing. But time had to pass for that plan to come into play. But born of a woman, that means Jesus had to become human with God's seed, okay, um, to be born under the same law that we are to, in, order for, in order to defeat the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we may receive the adoption as sons. So let's see what that says. We are saying Jesus came to pay the penalty for us so that we could become, not slaves again, adoption as sons. Well, how is that possible? Well, here's what's possible, right? It's the same time as seed, seed, it's the principle of seed, time, and harvest. Jesus sowed a son. He sold a son that had the Holy Spirit in him, right? He sold a human son because he was in a human body. That son that he sold, since he gave his life, produced whatever seed sows, you get it. You plant a seed of apples, you're going to get apples. You don't get oranges. So because he sold a son, 
when he died and planted that seed for us, he produced more sons and daughters. Right? We have to understand the price of redemption. What did he really do with that? That whole picture of it all. He planted a seed of a son. Now, the thing that gets me, and I'm going to go back again to the wages of sin a little bit, because as much as we heard that story, I don't think I truly understood why Jesus is our Savior or why Jesus had to die, right? But I want to make sure you understand it now because I finally do from the study. It says the wages of sin is death. Wages is what you get for doing a performance, a certain act or duty or whatever it is. Whatever you do, you earn wages for that. So our sinful acts, the wage for the acts that we did, the things that we do, is death. So in order for us to be made free and get out of the debt, do we all hear Jesus paid our debt? Well, in order for that to happen, he had to pay the wages for us. Now, this is the part you might not want to hear. We deserve to die. He took on our death. Pastor Amy, Amy again, did a great illustration, right? All that stuff on her shirt that she put on in it. Jesus took that on himself, made us new, but that cost him his life because he became us so he could pay our wages of death for us. I think when I look at Jesus as a redeemer, it's different than just saying he's my savior, right? There was a cost to be paid for our salvation. There was a cost to be paid for our, for our freedom. You know, Jesus made us sons to the living God. We are restored back in to right standing with our God. Because Jesus is our redeemer, we have a walk with Christ. Because Jesus is, 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 is a son of God, we are now sons of God. Because Jesus had the Holy Spirit in him, we now have the Holy Spirit in him. Because Jesus paid the price, we are free. We have the opportunity to live in righteousness now. We can choose to live in righteousness. We can choose to live in obedience. We can choose to honor and worship God. This is what we get to do. This is what we need to do. This is what we should do. He gave his son for us. Sometimes when we... um, When we look at this and we get the whole picture of Jesus, we tend to take away the value of it. You know, um, things over time, you know, let's talk about it for a minute. So when we're talking about Jesus Christ living in us, there's another verse that says, uh, it talks about living holy. We're supposed to be living holy. There's a whole bunch of sins that we we find ourselves doing and we want to be a moral people, um, you know, and I don't want to get too deep into some of the sins they say because they're pretty deep, right? But at the end of it all, in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians 6, it ends up saying, do you not know that your body is not your own? You were bought with a price and you are no longer your own. <laughs> now, I already told you I'm upset with t- telling me that someone possesses me, but I am a son, Right. But what I have to realize, though, it says your body is the temple of the most high God. So inside of me. Is the Holy Spirit. So 
let's picture you buying a house, a car, something that you love. Are you going to go in that house and the first thing you do instead of painting the walls, you're going to graffiti them? Are you going to go in there and rip up the ceilings and pull out the pipes? Are you going to, are you going to fill your house with a whole bunch of trash or, or are you going to clean that house? Are you going to make sure that you put the best things in that house because this is yours? Man, you own something, right? You have this thing that you possess and you want the inside to look good as well as the outside. Right? Have you ever walked, seen a house that looks so nice and then you're buying houses and then you look at it, oh, this is so pretty. And you walk in and you could tell it was just like tore up from the floor up. Oh my God, we're not buying this house. We're out of here. But it, it faked you out, right? We got to clean our house. Our house is the temple of God. Our house is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are not our own in that way. That means he lives in us. And I just think that is an awesome thing. It could be scary. I'm not going to lie. It could be really scary. But we get to choose what we want to put in our house. What are we watching on TV? What kind of music are we listening to? What kind of things are coming out of us, right? Those are all wonderful things that we could think about with this, all right? When we start to accept Jesus as our Redeemer, knowing that because of the seed that planted as a son of God, then we can start to accept God as our father. I think part of the situation is that we got to go back to the very first line Pastor Annie put up there, right? Until you understand the magnitude of the problem, you won't be able to appreciate the magnificence of the solution. Jesus Christ was our solution. He was our debt being paid for the wages that we earned. He was our inheritance into the kingdom or into the realm of God. Oh, this, listen, by the way, when you are an heir, think about your kids, right? When you are an heir, do you not realize that you get all the benefits of your parents? So we get the benefits of participating in the promises of God, in the power of God, in the authority of God, all those things that he set forth when he gave Adam and Eve. He said, let us, let them, let them. He named all those things that Adam was supposed to do. But then we got lost. But here's the thing. We've been found. We're back in that same spot, one, with God. When you choose, oh, choose to accept Christ and the magnificence of the solution that he paid with that price of his life. Another couple of definitions of redeemed, right? Because I think it makes a big difference. It says, to regain possession of, which we talked about, to rescue, to recover, to deliver from. Jesus did all that in that one act. It also says to save. Now, the question is, what are our next steps and, and why do we sometimes forget, right? Because we know, I'm not even telling you things that you probably don't know, right? But sometimes things happen. So, <laughs> I grew up, how should I put this? I grew up economically challenged. That's a more positive way of saying it, right? So back in the day, I grew up economically challenged. And, and you could, if someone gave me $5, I was like, yes, $5. Let me tell you something. $5 could go a long way when we're economically challenged. I mean, I could buy some ramen noodles. I could get some pasta. I could get, shoot, $3 worth of gas. That's right. 
Three dollars worth of five dollars worth for my tank up back then. It was seventy nine cents. I didn't need to get five dollars worth of gas. I could get three dollars worth of gas and be over halfway and still buy some noodles and beans and soup and I'd be living large for at least a week on five dollars, right? <laughs> Today, what will five dollars get you? The funny thing about that is, right, the value of five dollars hasn't changed. $5 is still $5. The value of the things that $5 used to buy has increased. So I could still give $5 for something I used to buy before, but now I need to add something to it. Okay? But that doesn't change the value of the $5. It changed the value of the pro- product or the things that we're finding that we need now. Right? So it makes it seem like $5 depreciated when it didn't. Well, Let's look at what Jesus did for us. God's value of us hasn't changed. He was still worth redeeming us for. God's value of Jesus hasn't changed, right? The value of what Jesus did as paying the sin of wages and he still, he died on that cross for us, that hasn't changed. So the thing that might have changed is over time we start letting other things come in and we start seeing them as more valuable what Jesus did for us. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your car, your house. Maybe it's a trip. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's entertainment. Something has stolen or taken more valuable possession of our hearts than what Jesus did. The value of all that stuff that Jesus did has not changed. But the other stuff over time has snuck in and became more valuable to us. So what do we do about that? One, we have to realize it, right? Two, I think we have to realize the fact that because we are heirs and sons, we are right back where God wanted us to be in the very, very first place, right? We are right back in the garden, so to speak. We're one with God when we choose God to live holy, to live righteously, right? And the only thing that could separate us from that is the same thing that separated Adam in the first place, is disobedience. Let's choose to obey God. All right? But here's the thing. Even with the disobedience, we could repent and be right back there again. Even with the Think about your kids. Right? It doesn't stop them from being heirs. Right? That's how big the sacrifice was that Jesus made. Right? Even if we choose wrong sometimes, we could still come back like the prodigal son, we can still come back and we are still heirs to God. We are still his sons and his daughters, but we have to choose to obey. We have to choose to obey. And I think that's the big thing. So as I close, I think it's really interesting because I think I probably titled this wrong. I titled it Jesus as our Redeemer, but that's actually not true. God is our Redeemer. Jesus was our wages, price, or cost that was paid for our redemption. He gave his son for you. He gave his son for me. And in so doing, he gained us, hopefully, if we accept that, as sons and daughters to him.
this is foundational to our belief in our faith in Christ. Don't let the value of what Jesus bought back, the price that was paid for us, leave us. Without that, what hope do we have? Do not become a slave to bondage of sin again. We may, it says, he who the Son set free is free indeed. And, and not only are we free, a slave doesn't live in a house, but a son does. We are free and we are adopted in to the family of Christ, an heir to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity, God. I thank you for this, for your son. I thank you for what Jesus did. I thank you, Lord God, that you see value in us, that we are worth something, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you see a purpose for us. We thank you, Lord God, that we are beneficial to you. We thank you, Lord God, that your word says that you see us as, as, as esteemed. We are a chosen people set aside for a reason. We thank you, Lord God, that you love us. We thank you, Lord God, that we could be your sons and daughters through our faith and belief in Christ and the price that he paid for us. We pray, Lord God, because you saved us and because you set us free, that we will live our lives in a righteous manner, rejecting sin, choosing you, choosing Christ, choosing to obey you, not because we have to as slaves, because that's what you deserve for what you paid for us. That's what we get to do, get to honor you in that way. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you our hearts and we give you our value. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. Guys, I want to thank Pastor Andy again for giving me this opportunity to share with you. Besides that, happy Easter next Sunday, guys. We'll see you there, okay? Bye.